Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Hello, hello. I am Dina, and I am your Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we head to the Midwest of the United States, to state of Kansas. So, believe it or not, I've never been to Kansas. <laughs> but it is one of our corn-producing states, and... When America was expanding into the West, it was kind of seen as part of the gateway towards the West. Now, the town that is considered to be one of Kansas's most haunted is Atchison, Kansas. And it is actually the birthplace of Amelia Earhart, one of the very first American aviators. And there's even a museum in her honor there but this is a paranormal travel podcast so we're just going to stick with the paranormal places i mean this place is truly a hotbed and i think part of what contributes to the hotbed scenario is that atchison is actually located right off the missouri river if you don't know where kansas is if you look at america kind of in the middle You have Texas, and you have Oklahoma. Then above Oklahoma, you have Kansas. And then there's like Nebraska and South Dakota, North Dakota. So it's like literally in a line in the middle, in the heart of America. So, again, Atchison is considered just like, and, and I mean, I literally had a lot of options to choose from. When I was doing my research. So let's get right to it. Our first stop is the Santa Fe Depot. Built in 1880, this depot operated as a freight depot for the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad. And of course, in its 142-year-old history, it's got a ghost literally hanging around. Well, it's (laughs) hanging is a bit of a pun here. You see, it is believed that the depot is haunted by a ghost they call Hangman Bill. Old Billy was once a railroad worker back in the day, and apparently when he was alive, he was known for his habit of hanging from the freight that was being loaded on and off the cars. Well, unfortunately, this habit actually got him killed one day when the cable that was carrying one of the loads snapped dropping both him and the cargo, but crushing him under the cargo. To date, staff have reported the sounds of hearing footsteps from above. The clincher is, is that this depot does not have a second floor. So basically, they're hearing something 
are running across above their heads. Now, moving from the train depot, let's talk about Molly's Hollow, or also known as Jackson Park. This haunted hotspot has two very curious versions of what is actually causing the hauntings. This particular uh, area, hollow, park. We'll begin with the first one. Back before the Civil War, when slavery was a thing in Kansas, a slave by the name of Molly apparently was doted on by her master. And it was very public, and it was very blatant, and unfortunately, it was a bit too much for the liking of the local women. So according to the legend, the local women ended up forming a lynch mob and hanging Molly from an old gnarled tree in this area. Now, there is a more recent version of what is causing the hauntings. This version says that Molly and her honey boo-boo had gone to prom, and while they were at prom or on their way or after prom, they get into this argument in the park, which ends up with him driving off, leaving her there, and so Mary decides to hang herself. But guys, gals, future ghosts, I don't know a single prom chicka chicka boom boom who goes around carrying rope on prom night. And so my instincts suggest that it was actually the first one. But here's the deal. Many people have reported seeing Molly's unfortunate spirit, her spectral form, if you will, hanging from the tree that she supposedly was found hanging from. And many have claimed that if you visit around midnight, and if you sit and listen, that you can actually see her shadow roaming the park, and you can hear her moaning and screaming in the middle of the night. And it's an unholy moaning and screaming, which again, to me, suggests that Molly was killed by this lynch mob. All right, moving from the park, let's talk about the house on 3rd Street. Formerly owned by Nellie Ruth Trueblood, Miss Trueblood was a school teacher. She was a spinster, and she lived her life in this house. She loved this house, and... When she died, it is said that Nellie has come back to stay in this house. Now, I did actually read that according to a nephew, she didn't die in the house. She died in a hospital. But even if that's true, without a doubt, with all these haunting, it to me, it, it does make sense that she would return to the place that she loved the most after she had passed if she loved the house so much. Now, let's talk about what's been going on. Ever since she has passed, people have attempted to modify, remodel, build the house up, and we're talking a long time ago. And it's been said that when people try to do these modifications, they get greeted by these large shining balls of light and we're talking any these these 
balls have been reported to be anywhere from 18 inches to 24 inches, which is two feet big. And they're just, it's freaking the the construction crew out. They're like, what the fuck is this? I don't even know. And so this is how she's managed to prevent anyone from doing any work on her home. The other thing is, is that the owners, a previous owner had supposedly saw that a fire had erupted on its own accord and the fire was like super large and they called the fire department. But when the fire department arrived, there was actually no evidence of there ever being a fire in the first place. So she's just like this ball of light going, no, 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 not in my house, fuckers. And she has managed to scare away the construction crews that are trying to remodel her home. Okay, so let's talk about houses since we're on the topic. Let's talk about the McInear Villa. Built in 1889, the McInear Villa is considered to be a stately Victorian-style home. And I actually love Victorian-style homes when I win the lottery, and that will happen, hopefully soon, I will have, I actually kind of like the San Francisco Victorian style houses, personally, but anyhow, back to the story. The owner of the McIntyre Villa was a gentleman by the name of John McIntyre, no surprise there, who was an Irish immigrant and businessman. John initially came to America on his own. He was a young kid. And eventually he made his way to Kansas where he started a small shop in Atchison. And the shop was to manufacture harnesses and saddles. Remember I said Kansas was considered the gateway to the West. And, you know, the United States was expanding. So, and the fastest mode of transportation, of course, were horses. And because John was known to make quality work, his business took off. And so it was, he invested in other businesses. He, I mean, one of the things we we have to remember is, I mean, you might be an attorney your whole life, but prior, a lot of people tend to have very different jobs in the, the course of their lifetime. And it sounded like John, per my research, was no exception. So he did a, a variety of different businesses, and he accumulated a lot of wealth. And so he had this house built, this villa built, and over the course of the life of the house, it has been said that at least nine people have died in the home. And as it is, it would appear that some of the people have never left, even in the afterlife. Now, Currently, it is privately owned, but those who have gone to the home have had just this tremendous amount of experiences. So, we're talking, visitors have said that they have felt the presence of an unseen entity, that they can hear conversations between separate spirits, that they see shadow people with glowing eyes, that they are hearing footsteps, casually walking around at night, that people have seen figures in the window when nobody is home, that the lights are turning off 
on the tower. And this, the clincher is, is that the tower actually doesn't have electricity. That items have been tossed about. That there is a rocking chair that a woman, a former owner, by the name of Goldie, died in, has been known to rock on its own accord. That there is the sounds of slamming doors throughout the night, again, slamming by themselves. Footsteps up and down hallways, on both floors, the sensation of being watched, the belief that you're not alone, that things actually are placed in one spot and found in another, the sounds of the old doorknobs turning, and dramatic changes in the temperature. And when we when we talk about the spiritual voices, we're talking both men and female. It's as if the people who have died in the house are still coexisting in the house. Though, of course, there's the smells of perfume and cigarettes. And there's one particular door upstairs that likes to open on its own. And again, the shadow entity likes to make itself known. Now, getting back to the rocking chair and Goldie, her real name was actually Isabel Altus. And she's actually been signaled out to be one of the most prevalent entities in the home. She was a former professional violinist. And it said that the rocking chair that rocks is actually the same chair that she took her own life in. Now, as I said before, it's currently owned privately, but the owners have opened the doors to ghost investigations. And if you go to their website, you can actually sign up to investigate. And, I mean, that's cool beans. I mean, I, 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 if I go to Atchison, Kansas, this is where I'm going. This place sounds like you will have experiences after experience after experience. And the thing is, is that I do know, based on reading the information, that the owners have cameras in the house, so they can actually see these things happening. But, so they, with all these investigations, one of the things that they've kind of come back to is that Goldie, she's kind of been, kind of given the, the, the task of being a witch. And she's, it's believed that she seen wearing black she they believe that she's the figure in one of the windows and it's almost kind of like it kind of gives me did you guys ever see the woman in black vibes in, in the research that i've done with the walk with the rocking chair rocking women in black you know it's the mother and she's all pissed off about the kid well that's the vibes that i get i mean i'm getting chills just even thinking about this and speaking this out loud but either way, so yes, if you are in Kansas or if you're even going to Kansas or if you're suddenly suddenly going to Kansas now, this is the place. Because, again, if I make it to Kansas, this is where I'm going. Look at their website. Sign up. Get your gear. Get your gear. And I know you know what to get because we've had this episode. And head over to... This villa, because goddamn, try and get Goldie on video. 
Okay. Now that we're speaking of spooky houses, let's talk about the most haunted house in Atchison's. I am, of course, speaking of the Sally House. And I remember hearing little things about the Sally House off and on through my years of listening to and watching paranormal shows. So here's the deal. The Sally House, which was built somewhere between 1867 and 1871. So we're talking a minimum of 160 years old, potentially. This brick house was the location of an unfortunate scenario of a child's death, uh, Sally. And as such, it is now known to be extremely haunted. So let's talk about what happened with Sally. Sally didn't actually live here. This was the home of Dr. Charles Finney. He had his surgery or his offices, his doctor's offices on the first floor, and he and his family lived on the second floor. Well, apparently, one night, Sally woke up with some terrible, severe abdominal pains, and her mother did what any other mother would have done. She rushes her daughter to the doctor. you got to remember, we don't have hospitals as readily available in the 1870s and, you know, whatnot. So she takes her to Dr. Finney, and he immediately diagnoses Sally with a very severe and immediate case of appendicitis. And anybody who knows what appendicitis is, you have to get the appendix out before it bursts because if it bursts, it will expose it will release poisons and toxins into your body and basically kill you so he says hey i gotta do surgery and the second sally sees all of his surgical tools and knows that something bad is happening she freaks out and he's basically forced to physically hold her down to give her ether you know, to give her the opportunity to become unconscious so he could begin his surgery. However, he didn't allow for her to become fully unconscious and he starts operating because he's in the panic mode. He thinks that the appendix is going to burst at any moment. And as it happens, because he didn't wait for her to fall completely unconscious, she wakes up during the initial incision, the first cutting, and begins fighting and wrestling, and she's just doing everything she can to prevent him from cutting her open and, and performing his surgery. Needless to say, she dies. And it is said that before she died, that she gave the doctor a look of such fear and fucking hatred that basically was like whoa so even though she didn't live there she did in fact die there now the family the finney family will occupy the home for almost like 100 years and in 1993 a new family ends up taking residency and it's immediate that they become aware of sally in fact their daughter is like, I got a new best friend. Her name is Sally. And they're like, okay, sure. But it's immediate. They start having some 
strange experiences like the pictures are starting to turn upside down on the walls. Candles are melting in an odd, unusual manner. And, and, and this couple that rented this house, Deborah and Tony Pickman, just, you know, they're, they're like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Because it's like electrical appliances are coming, are turning on and off. And their kids' toys are getting scattered about the nursery when they know it's not their kid. And, I mean, these are all just fun. But then shit gets dark. Things turn bad. And the ghostly activities become violent. And as it is, the person that these attacks, this violence starts to focus on is actually Tony. And we're talking, he's getting scratched, he's getting bruises on his arms, his back, his stomach, and and he would say, I would know that this was going to happen because there would be a temperature change. So in addition to Tony, in addition to the little child saying, I got a new best friend, a new BFF, they also started having small, spontaneous fires throughout the house. In fact, the these paranormal events became so prevalent and so often that they actually started inviting crew members, investigating crew members, you know, like from paranormal TV shows inside the house. And sure as shit, one of the crew members that was filming an episode there ended up having a red welt appear on his stomach, and the thing actually began to fucking bleed, okay? And even he said that he felt a severe drop in the temperature before this happened. Now, trying to figure out what the fuck to do, they invite a psychic to the house. The psychic tells them, look, there are actually two entities in this house. There is Sally, who's... Yeah, she's doing the fun stuff. But then there's this bitch who's about 30. She is malicious. She ha- she does not have good intentions. And she kind of focused on Tony because she was like, hmm, this is my guy. And when she realized, well, this isn't working because I maybe she realized she was dead. I don't know. That's when her attacks began. Now, this goes on for quite a while, but it isn't until she shoves him to the point where he almost goes over the stair railing that Deborah and Tony are like, we're done. And they leave the house. And after they leave the house, it is believed that this entity, this pissed off woman, also left the house. Now, like I said before, the activity in the house was so well known and and paranormal shows were coming and par- uh, ghost hunters were coming to do investigations. And in November of 2004, Legends of America actually came and visited the Sally House. And they do this 60-hour, so what is that? Two and a half days of investigation. And they catch audio of a little girl singing and playing. They catch audio of what they believe to be as a boy, of a man, and at least one or two women. 
They catch the sounds of coins hitting the hardware floor or bouncing off other items. They hear footsteps, thumps, growls, whispers. And there's even voices that are recorded as if the voices are interacting with the live people speaking. So it might have been that when Tony left, she was like, I am dead and I got to move on. But it does seem that Sally is still hanging around. Now, you can actually visit the Sally house. It is, like, like I said, considered to be the most haunted house in Atchison's Kansas and it's a museum you can go and check it out and again I would definitely definitely recommend it and again I I honestly think part of the fact that it's next to a a body of water is 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 feeding these paranormal activities I I think water is a source of of an energy source that helps funnel this and I do think it's real Now, I want to talk briefly about Round Mountain Cemetery. This is actually not in Atchison's. It's in Cummings, which is about 12 miles, 10 minutes away, drive-wise. And it it was kind of weird because it's like they believe that the ghost of a witch, so speaking of bad women, in theory, haunts the Round Mountain Cemetery. And they say that even though it's on top of a hill, which is the perfect spot for crosswinds, the wind never blows there. And more importantly, in the late, dark part of the night, they say that the dead is known to scream from their graves. So... (laughs) And it's only 10 minutes away. Okay. Last place that I want to talk about. This is when actually not out in Atchison's. It's actually 55 miles away. Just over an hour to get there. And to be honest with you, you know, my thing about cemeteries, guys, gals, future ghosts, you, you know it. If I didn't mention the Stole Cemetery scenario... I would, I would, I should be ashamed of myself. Okay, so let's talk about the Stoll Cemetery. This cemetery was established around the 1850s. There was a church that was built there. It was a wooden church. The church was named Evangelical Emmanuel Church. And it is said that both the church and the cemetery is haunted so let's talk about this please there and again is there is there truth to rumors i don't know but there are rumors that witches and other occult groups still lurk the grounds to perform dark rituals there is a belief that a Gnarled pine tree was once used to hang witches on the premise. Now, this pine tree was struck by lightning and had to be cut down. But 
they would hang witches from it. And since then, I think, it's believed that this place is associated with Satan and witches. And in one particular part of this rumor is that Satan and one of his brujas, one of his witches, witches, bitches, he was involved sexually. He was in love. And they made a child. This child was a deformed son. And it said that the child is takes the form of a werewolf. So we have Satan, we have witches, we have werewolves, and they all come together, supposedly, on Hallow's Eve, Halloween, and the spring equinox. And it is said that the gates to hell open up as a staircase it reveals itself and if you find it you have the opportunity to take this the stairs down to hell so yeah it said that the stairs to hell the gates open up let's do this whoop whoop satan's having them party and if you're not eaten by the wolf the werewolf you just might live to tell about it And it is said that the child hangs around in the surrounding woods and comes to visit mommy and daddy during this uh, spring equinox and Halloween. And if that's not enough, there is a trail, a long forgotten trail named the Devil's Road, where a man supposedly accidentally, I'm not sure how you do this, set his own son on fire, killing him. Another man was supposedly found hanging from the tree by the side of the road on this trail. Now, I don't really know how these rumors got started, but here's the deal. These things circulated and circulated and circulated as early as the 1970s. In fact, on March 20th, which my assumption is at this point in time was spring equinox at that time, more than 150 people got together and waited in the cemetery on March 20th, 1978, and they waited for the arrival of Satan, but nothing happened. And despite this, even though nothing happened, the rumors kept spreading and spreading and spreading, and over the years, the cops started showing up going, no, get out, get out, get out. Even started handing out tickets to people, but that didn't stop. And so, again, the rumors kept spreading, and people kept showing up to both Halloween and the spring equinox. And finally the cops decided to just work with the crowd until like the owner showed up and was like, everyone gets to get the fuck out. Cause sometimes as odd as it sounds, cemeteries can be privately owned. But then on March 29th, 2002, the old church that once was on the, the property gets mysteriously demolished. And the man who claims to own, at least be a partial owner, a man by the name of Major Weiss, said he did not authorize that the abandoned church, the, the, the former Evangeline, Evangelel, Emmanuel church, to be destroyed. And people who lived by didn't even realize that the church was destroyed. But sure enough, for some magical reason, The church gets destroyed, and it's like, whoa, that's not strange. 
So again, it just fuels into the whole weird shit that's going on here. But again, is it just speculation or is it real fact? Because I did do some uh, research and again, it just seems more like it's an idea. Satan, witches and werewolves, but no actual proof. But then here's a question for you. If you met Satan and survived, do you think he would let you remember that? Hmm. I doubt it. Okay, getting back to Atchison's. Again, this place is live with ghosts, jumping with ghosts. I literally had my pick. There was a theater that was haunted. There was a couple other houses that were mentioned. But we'll just have to save those for another day. In fact, I even came across the Atchison's Daily Globe. The newspaper place is haunted, supposedly. It's haunted by a deceased newspaper editor who died under mysterious circumstances. Uh, and now people hear the back door, even though it may be locked, likes to open and close on its own accord. So Atkinson is hopping everywhere with ghosts just hanging around. All right. That is what I have for you tonight on The Business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. I have a Facebook page. And if you are curious or interested and would like to join, send me a request. But in the meantime, if you have a place that you would someday like to join, <laughs> if you would like to someday just to, to invest, not investigate, but research and promote, or a haunted house that you'd like us to delve into, send me a request at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. Sorry, totally spaced that. But in the meantime, please remember, only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. Mm -hmm.